welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. I want to preach a message on multiplication. Is that we serve a God of multiplications. He, his first commandment over creation was to be fruitful and to multiply. So God is into multiplication. I, I love what Ezekiel said in uh, chapter 36 and verse 11 there. He said that we have a God who will do better for us than in our beginnings. Is that when we are in relationship with God, things are designed to get better and better and better. I have people say to me many times, Mike, we just go back to the good old days. I'm like, no, 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 no. That they were good days, but with God, our days is designed to get better and better and better. We're living in better days now than what it was previously. Because God, the heart of God is He's going to do better for you and I in our future than what our beginnings look like. And our beginnings were marvelous. They were spectacular. As, as Chris shared about Emmanuel, God became with, with us. He, he dwelled inside of us. But now, years later, we're walking in the goodness and the favor and the faith of an almighty God. Could you dare to believe that your future days are going to be so much better than your days in the past? The, the psalmist cried out in Psalm 73 as he looked back and saw the, the handprint of God over the nation of Israel, he said these words, truly God has been good to Israel. And as I thought about that, even this morning, would you just change that word Israel and search your name in there, that that truly God has been good to John. (laughs) Truly God has been good to Rachel. Truly God has been good to you, Colleen. Truly God has been good to me, Mike. As I look back and see the handprint of God, the trace of God over my life, is that truly God has been good to us. And this morning I want to share out of a a passage of Scripture, we're going to read a whole one chapter of the Word of God. That This is not your Bible reading for the week, all right? That This is just a a whole chapter we're going to get through today. So I want to hold you on to your seats and see where we get to. But I found that Jesus was into multiplication when he stepped foot on the planet. The very first miracle that he did was that he was at a wedding. They ran out of wine, a huge embarrassment uh, to the families there. And Jesus instructed the servants to fill the water pots with water. And in that transition time, as the servant took out a, a, a cup of that and took it to the master of, of the ceremonies, he says that at, when it touches his lips that this is better than the best. Could you dare to believe that your better day, your future days are going to be better than your past days? And Jesus, his final provision miracle is when he's standing on the beach and the guys are out fishing there. He's now in resurrected form and he cries out to them, have you caught any fish? Do you have any food? And they replied back, no, we've caught no fish. And he says, well, throw the net on the right side of the boat. You know what? As you look through the Gospels, these professional fishermen, They were professional fishermen. They did not catch one fish without the intervention of Jesus in any account here. And so they threw their net on the right-hand side of the boat, and it says they caught 153 fish. Would you dare to believe that God wants to put you in a place of multiplication, a place of not just enough, but a place of more than enough? Could you believe what Isaiah 55 says, that God's ways, they are higher than our ways? 
is that God's thoughts, they are higher than our thoughts. I, I am so glad that you and I can have ways and we can have thoughts, but they're nothing in compare, comparison to God's ways and God's thoughts. And as I share out of this passage of Scripture, could you just imagine and can you see through here these, these verses that God's ways are so much higher, is God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And so we're going to read from 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to look at two stories here and two great provision miracles that take place. And uh, as the man of God comes and encounters these situations, we find that there are complete opposite situations he finds himself in. One, one woman is in utter poverty and distress, and the other one is a notable woman. But God comes and visits you and I no matter where we are placed, is that he is no respecter of persons is that the heart of God is that you and I would be put into a place where we'd see the miracle power of God flow. So are we ready? Here we go. We're going to read from verse 8 first. Here we go. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. We're decking this thing out for him. And so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shumanite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all of this care. What can I do for you? What a question. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king? Or to the commander of the army. And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. And so he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. I wonder what it is that God could do in your life in the next year. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God. Do not lie to your maidservant, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. A great, great miracle. But, but this miracle is preceded by a, another encounter that a man of God has a woman with a woman, and she is in a totally different situation and predicament. And I find that most of us find ourselves in the middle of these two extremes, is that some of you may be in ex extreme, you know, place of influence and extreme wealth, and others may be at a place where you actually have nothing, you, you, you're at dire straits, but the vast majority of us find us in the middle of this tension here, between, ex between like a King Solomon and like a Job having nothing. We find ourselves in the middle, and here God comes and meets with a, uh, with a lady who is in a, a desperate situation. In verse 1 it says this, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take away my two sons to be his slaves. And so Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels, 
Do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour it into all of those vessels and set aside the full ones. And so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. And now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil. And pay your debt, and you and your son, to your sons shall live on the rest. Is the, the whole premise of my message this morning is this thought. It's on the screen behind me. Is that our present actions determine our future direction. Is what you and I do in the now determines what's going to take in our future. Is what you and I do now sets us up for enable God to move in and through our lives. Is that our present actions determine our future direction. And I have known this, and you've probably experienced in your life, is that just one visit from God, one touch from God, one word from God can change absolutely everything in an instance. It's just one moment, one touch from heaven, one visit from God, one word coming alive in our hearts, and everything can change. And here in this second account, we have a lady in a desperate situation. And it says that she cries out to the man of God. It says she's literally you know, crying out. She's in this awful predicament that the creditor's coming to take her two sons away. Her husband has passed away. That the greatest loves of her life are no longer present or going to be present with her. And now she's crying out to the man of of God. I found that there are many different ways in which we can interact with God. There is times where we can cry out. There, there's the first, the other miracle here where this lady is so persistent with the man of God. And, you know, the blind man cried out. The, the lady with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd. I wonder what God is asking of you this morning. And she cries out to the man of God, could you please help me in this situation? And then the man of God asks her a question. And the question is, what, what shall I do for you? And it's almost as though when that question comes out of his lips, he's like, you know, no, 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 that, that, that's the wrong question for right now. Is that that's the question for the next lady I'm going to visit. But I want to rephrase my question. It's not, not what, I, what shall I do for you, but what do you have in your house? It, it seems like a bizarre question to ask. Is the man of God is asking not what she wanted, but what does she actually have in her house, in her hands? Is the God's wanting her to recognize that in this place of distress she finds herself in? Is it, what do you have in your hand or in your life, in your house that you could make available to me that I could use? And as this question comes, she answers in this way she says, I have nothing. I have nothing. And she looks at her current situation and says, I just have nothing in my house. The, the creditors come here to take my two sons away. My husband, I have nothing. And this morning I want to let you know is that you and I never have nothing. Well, we don't have nothing. It may look and see as though we don't have nothing, but we do have something. And I found the reason why you and I as human beings are so quick to say that we have nothing is because when we look at the size of the problem, when we look at the situation we find ourselves in, when we look and see the, the, the giant in front of us, we say that we have nothing. No, nothing in our physical means 
in order to conquer that giant, to overcome that situation, to see anything come through. And her response is simply, I have nothing. But this morning you have something. (laughs) Do you realize what you are sitting on this morning? Is that God has given you great gifts, talents, and abilities. Not just for your life, but for others around about you. As the Word of God says, He has given to you and I all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Uh, I pray that you'd never find yourself in a spot where you say, I have nothing. It's because you do have something. And here the man of God is just wanting to press upon her. No, no, would you search a little bit deeper in your life and in your house? I wonder if you and I search a little bit deeper inside of us and actually see what God has given to you and I and said, would you become a steward of that? But her natural response is, I have nothing. Is that she sees with eyes of lack. Sees that she doesn't have enough to overcome the situation she's now found herself in. But God's saying, hey, would you and I put on eyes of faith, not eyes of lack? It is eyes sees with a different lens. Eyes of faith sees possibility instead of impossibility. You know, eyes of faith see hope rather than despair. It sees addition rather than subtraction. It sees multiplication rather than division. It sees increase rather than decrease. Would you and I allow the uh, lens of faith to come upon our lives? And here she is in this spot saying, I have nothing. And God simply wants you and I to shift our attention to that which we don't have to that which we do have. And then she says these words. She says, but. I have nothing but. That's the best but in the Word of God. That's, that's a good but. I have nothing but. A jar of oil. Miracles of multiplication always begin with a recognition of what we have. Is God cannot bless that which we have not recognized. And the man of God simply comes into her house and says, I want you to see something. I want you to illuminate something that's in your house. You may think it's insufficient. You may think it's not enough. But God says, hey, would you just let me get my hands on what's in your hands? And sometimes we can doubt in that place of exchange, this is not enough. Is it God only blesses big things? No, no, God blesses anything you and I place in his hands. And sometimes we say, no, 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 I can't bring that before God because it's nothing, not big enough for God. But God saying, no, 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 would you just allow me to get my hands on what's in your hands? Would you just transfer that into his holy, blessed hands? And she said, I have a jar of oil. And as you look at that jar of oil, I'm thinking, surely she's thinking in her heart that that, that this can't be the answer. Surely this insufficient jar of oil cannot be for the answer that I found myself in. Surely it's not enough to get myself out of this predicament, this situation I find myself in. And God's saying, hey, don't worry, don't you worry about that. Just let me get my hands on what's in your hands. Because so often we have this doubt in our heart is, can God actually do anything with what's in my hands, what's in my house? Is it actually enough? And God's saying, you know what, it's enough. It's, it's more than enough right now. A, a jar of oil in the hands of God, it's enough. A bin of flour in the hands of God, it's enough. A few loaves and fishes in the hands of God with a great multitude that's in front of him that day, it's enough. You know, a rod in the hand of Moses that's enough for God. A, a jawbone in the hand of Samson, it's enough for God. I, I wonder what you have in your hand 
Now, you may be saying it's not enough, but God's saying, no, no, it's more than enough. And when you identify it, hey, don't belittle it. Don't compare it. Don't put it down. Don't say it's not enough. God's simply saying, would you just allow me to get my hands on what's in your hand? Don't buy into the lie that what you have is not enough. It's God simply saying, hey, would you allow my touch to come upon it? I can make it better than your best. And it goes on here in verse 3. And then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Wow. What a crazy request. I find there's like these crazy requests all the way throughout the Word of God, but they're not impossible requests. And I found so many times when it comes to these miracles of multiplication that there's, there's three things involved. There's normally three things that God asks of you and I, his sons and his daughters. The first thing is, would you take a step of faith? God could have made every container she needed. He could have just, just filled her house with every container. But no, he says, I want you now, you and your sons, to go and borrow vessels. I want you to go door, a door-knocking campaign, asking for containers. It takes a step of faith. To go knock on someone else's door, it takes a step of humility as well. Wow. Go knock on someone's door and gather up all these containers. It takes effort as well. And so God's asking this of you and I. Would you take a step of faith? Would you walk in a place of humility and would you put some efforts and works to your faith because faith without works is dead. And so here they go on the mission. They go on the door knocking campaign around the neighborhood. You know, go and collect every empty vessel that you can find. Go, they go door knocking. You imagine that first knock on the door to Mrs. Jones's house like, and saying, hey, Mr. Jones, can you give me every empty container in your house? He's like, why? I, I don't know. I just need your containers. Like, bring them up. Right, when are they coming back? No idea. I don't. Don't know. Don't know. That's, that's, that takes a bit of humility to do that. You know, you walk a few more days, doors down, you go to Mrs. Tupperware's house. You know, she's, she hosts every Tupperware party in town. Like, you imagine knocking on her door saying, Mrs. Tupperware, I just want to get all your Tupperware. Like, you can just imagine her responding, well, well yeah, what, what do you want it for? Like, is it going to come back with those yellow marks around her, spaghetti marks? It's like, you just see Mrs. Tupperware getting out a permanent marker and writing Mrs. Tupperware on all the Tupperware and like, make sure you get that back to me, you know. They go like door to door getting all of these empty containers. Like, that's a step of faith. That, that's humility. That, that's a bit of effort involved as well. I find it with the guys when they went fishing. You know, Peter's washing his nets at the end of the day. Jesus comes along, like, you fished all night, you caught nothing. He just wants to get home to bed. And Jesus says, you know what, Peter? I want you to launch out in the deep. Like, are you serious, Jesus? I've fished all night. The fish aren't on right now. I'm the professional fisherman. You're just Jesus. The Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the, all these things. But I'm the fisherman. You know what? It takes a step of faith. It takes humility. It takes some effort to put the boat back out. But when they do, they catch the greatest of catches. So they go door knocking, they get all the empty containers and now the man of God says to her, once they've got all the containers, now shut the door. Shut the door behind you. You know what, there's some times in life where you and I just need to shut the door. Shut the door to the voices, the opinions of others, the thoughts of the world around about you. 
what your family's thinking, what your you know, next door neighbors are thinking, because there's some times where God just wants to shut the door and do some work inside of your house to stop all the other white noise that's going on around about you and your life. Uh, is it Jesus at that time you know, when Jairus' daughter had died as he was going on the journey to see her and to visit her, the, the woman with his blood reaches out and touches. And in that, in that, in that time where Jesus on the, on the journey to his house, she passes away. And as he gets there, there is crying. There is a turmoil happening outside of the house and on the inside of the house, and Jesus simply walks in there, and he shuts the door. I've got to shut the door to the noise right now. I've got to shut the, the, the noise to the distress that's going on. And here this lady, she shuts the door with her two sons and a house full now of empty containers. And the man of God says, would you just start pouring that which you think is not enough? And what a miracle takes place. She starts to pour, and the first container's fall to the top, wow, and she has just enough in the container and she pours again to replace her overflow and pours again 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 and pours again. Could you imagine what's happening behind that door right now? Could you imagine the excitement just the eyes so wide, the giving thanks to God moments that are taking place. And as she just continued to pour into vessel after vessel, they were now in a place of, of being filled. And she comes to that very last container and it comes and it's filled to overflow again. She asks her son, is there another vessel? He says, mum, mum, there's no more vessels. Is the, the miracle stopped when there are no more empty vessels to fill. Is that she determined, mum determined, how long this miracle will continue to flow and to pour out? If she had another empty vessel, is that God said, I, I would continue to fill that and to fill that. I pray in all of our lives that there would always be another empty vessel to flow into and to pour into. Is that God's measure for humanity is so great. It's like our lives, that God would just continually want to put you and I in a place of an overflow position. And I love the greatness of this miracle I found is this. It was through the collective generosity of a community that this individual family gets blessed. God can do what God can do. But it was the generosity of Mr. Jones and Mrs. Tupperware and everyone in that community that said, you know what, okay, I'll give you empty vessels, even though we have no understanding of what's happening right now. And it was through the collective generosity of others that this family was blessed. And I know as a church, it's through the collective generosity of us as a family of God is that our world is blessed around about us. Uh, I, we've seen it over the last few weeks with the testimonies that have come through. And even with the worship this morning, you know, the testimonies that come in off the back of that, the reach of the music through our generosity as a church is that, what was there, like 170 nations get blessed with music that God's place and say it was through the collective generosity of others that this miracle took place. I found this, whatever you and I pour out now will always flow into the future. And he says, Mom, go and sell all of these vessels, sell all this oil so you can pay the creditor and you and your sons can live. Is God is a good, good God. And it doesn't matter the situation we find ourselves in is that the heart of God is He wants to come and visit you where you are at right now. And verse 8, the next miracle, says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, 
and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. I found that generosity will always open doors into the future. Is that here we find a lady in a completely different situation. It says that she is notable. She, she is influential within her town. She, she is prosperous. And she makes this determination in her heart that as whenever the man of God is coming through her city, is that she would always have food available for him. Is that she doesn't want him to eat anywhere else except at her house. Is that her house would be number one option. Whenever you're in town, I, I want you to come and eat food in my house. And I, I love this, even though there's two completely different situations here, is that God comes and visits this lady in exactly the same way that he visits the one that's in an incredibly terrible situation. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in life, is that God still wants to encounter you. And here she is in her heart just saying, I, I just want you to come by my house. The first lady, she cries out for the man of God's attention. This lady, she's now persuading the man of God, whenever you come through town, I want you to come eat here. Would you, would you eat here? Is, I'm trying to persuade you, persistent, persistent, is that this is a place where I want you to eat. It reminds me of my grandma. And maybe your grandma was the same. As, grandma was more concerned that we were full, like every moment of every day, than anything else. Like, she would give you a meal, and five minutes later she's saying, well, here's another meal. Oh, you have, have you had enough? And she's always checking on it. Have you had enough food? And she always just wanted to fill us to a place of overflow. It's like this lady here. She just kept persuading and persisting that whenever he came by, that he would eat at her house. In verse 10 it says, Please let us make a small upper room on the wall, and let us put a bed there for him, and a table and a chair. And so it will be whenever he comes to us, he will turn in there. Is in every season of life, we have to prepare for what is to come. And here now she has this conversation with her husband. She's saying, let us, let, let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed and a table and a chair and a lampstand in there for him. Is that there, as Pastor Graham had mentioned, there is power in our agreements. As husbands and wives, that there is such power in agreement. They're saying here, this is not an individual, it's let us. We're now coming to a place of agreement of what we're making room for in the future of our lives. Is that There's great power in unity all the way throughout the Word of God. We know the destructive power of disunity. But do you know the power that's in our agreement, that's in our place of unity? Is agreement in the Greek is this word, is the word samphono. Made up of two words, some meaning together and phono meaning to voice or to say. It's where we get the English word symphony from. And this word samphono means this. It means to let the same word of faith proceed from all of us in harmony. When you and I stand in a place of agreement as husbands and wives, as a family, as a church community, it is literally me. It's meaning let the same word of faith Proceed from all of us in a place of harmony. And here they are standing in a place of agreement, as Pastor Graham even shared about, as we consider what we would bring in as our generous offering for next, for next week, is would we stand in that place of agreement? Would we pray about it? Would we get some, some common ground on it? Because then we're in that place, let the same word of faith come forth of us in harmony. There's no place of disagreement here. And she's saying, husband, 
could we come into a place of agreement that we could build a, another room for the man of God, that we could furnish it completely for him. And I find this just amazing generosity. She goes from making a meal to building a room. There's this shift in her thinking. Is I, I just don't want to make a meal for the man of God when he passes by. Is I now want to build a room. I want to make a permanent extension to our house. She goes from making dinner to building a room, to, to building a permanent Airbnb for someone that's going to just pass by on an infrequent basis. I see that just as an incredible generosity there. And simply she's saying, I, I need to make room for God in my life. And we have a God who is with us forever. He's not a passerby. But here she says, I... I have a hammer in my hand. I'm going to start to build another room. I'm going to build an addition to my life that will be a permanent reminder that this is the house of God, that this is a dwelling place of God in my life. And there's some times where we just got to identify the jar of oil that God wants us to pour out and to pour out. But there's times where He wants you and I to actually pick up the hammer and to start to build another room, a place where, the, where God can occupy and a place to dwell. I found that the moment we make a new and committed decision, things change for the better. <laughs> when it's a right decision, she says, we're going to make some room. And I, I pray that all of us would come to this place where we have to make room for God in our lives. We, we make room by being in the Word of God. We make room by bringing prayer. We, we make room through praising and worshiping God. We, we make room by being generous to those around about us. We, we make room by loving others. We make room by honoring God with our possessions. This morning, would you also make room in your life? Would you build an addition? Would you build a space that could be occupied by God? The first lady identified what she had in the house the next lady is saying with her husband, we need to build more room to allow the presence of God to come. And I found whatever you and I make room for is that God will always fill. Whether it was a tabernacle, he filled the tabernacle. Humanity says, let's build him a temple. If it was a temple, he filled the temple. If it was a human heart, God says, I can fill your heart. And I can fill the next your neighbor's heart. I have enough inside of me that I desire to to fill every available spot. Would you and I make some room for God in our lives? Because God will fill that space. There's a God who wants to be not a distant God, but a God that will be so occupied in our lives. Is that our present actions determine our future direction? I, I consider in this story, if she and her husband did not build a, another room, it's the end of the story. It's just... The man of God has somewhere to eat and maybe somewhere to stay in the future. Like, that's it. it if she doesn't build the, the room, it, it's the end of the story. And so in her heart, she's saying, we've got to build this room. We've got to make room for God. And verse 12 says these words. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shumanite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before them. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you've been concerned with us with all of this care. What can I do for you? This is the question now. He's not asking like the lady before, well, what do you have in your house? He's now directing questions, saying, what, what do you want? Well, what's the great desire of your heart right now? And he says, do you want me to speak on behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered by saying this, I dwell amongst my own people. The man of God saying, you know what, in this moment, 
You could ask for absolutely anything. I'm going to move mountains for you. Whatever you ask for, I could go to the king on your behalf. I could go to the commander of the army. I'm going to the top of the top of the nation. Whatever your request is, it's not going to be too difficult for God. And if I need some human inter, inter, intervention, I can go to the king, I can go to the commander of the army. You, you just ask whatever you want. And I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure this takes place. And she comes back with this reply is, uh, you know what, I just dwell amongst my own people. Some scholars would say that she is in a place of, of great contentedness. She's now at a later stage of life and she is completely content with things that have unfolded in her life. But I think as we look at this story, as we look a little bit deeper here, is I see it not necessarily she's a place of contentedness. She's in a place where she's once had a dream in her heart that can no longer be resurrected. And she's come to that place of saying, you know what, I no longer have to believe for that. There's no, no chance that God can come through on that prayer. It's that prayer request that I filled out year after year after year, Pastor Gray, and God's done nothing. And there's times we can just then give up on that. And I see here, she's not in the place of contentness. She has a dream in her heart that she's now just buried. And I sense as even I was preparing this message over the last few weeks, is that there's some, some dreams in your heart this morning that have dried prematurely. And that God still wants to come and breathe his breath of life upon it today. It was a dream that was just so alive in your heart. It's a dream you've added faith to. it. It's a dream where you've cried out and cried out to God and and God may have not answered in the way that you thought God would answer, but this morning, I just sense that God wants to come and breathe upon some of those dreams again. Would you believe again? Would you pray again? Would you write it down again? And there's some dreams that, yes, they do have to die, but there's some other dreams that die too early. And God says, I, I want to breathe my breath upon them. I, I want to come back to life. And this lady, although she seems in this great place of contentment, she literally has said over her life that, you know what, that's no longer can come to true. I, I can no longer have a child. And man of God, what, whatever you ask for, I can do. She could have asked for it in that moment and she would have received the miracle. I have no doubt about that, is that barren womb would become fruitful. But she's saying, you know what, I, I've given up. I'm old now. My husband's old. We, we don't need that to come through. But God said, no, I, I want to actually breathe upon it again. Verse 14, it says, So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. And so he said, Call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway and then said, About this time next year, you shall embrace a son. See, when you and I make room for God, he will always make room for us. The lady in the previous story, she had to shut the door and allow God to do business. It says in this passage, now this lady, she stands in the doorway between her old house and her new house, the new room that she built. She's standing in this place of transition between the old and the new, of the past and the future. And there's some times where you and I have to shut the door and allow God just to do what God needs to do. And there's times that God will put you in a transition zone. And you stand at that place, say, hey, God, I'm going to take it step of faith into my future I'm going to stay in my present she's at the doorway she'd never be at this doorway if she didn't make room she's standing at that place the man of God's in the room that she had prepared and her husband had built for her and she's at this place 
the old and the new, the past and the future. And I, I wonder this morning, is maybe there's some where you're at the transition place where God's saying, I just need you to take a step into the new. Is that your present action will determine your future direction. And here she is standing at that place of transition. And the man of God asks the servant, what, what, what does she need? She stands at the doorway and he says to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. I wonder what things you could put on your prayer request this week that could actually allow the breath of God to come upon it. That by this time next year, you'd see the God, hand of God move upon those things. To see what God would actually do through you and I over this next year. And it goes on, and she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. She said, No, 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 my, my time's over. I prayed for this. I believed for this decades ago. It, it hasn't come through in the way I thought it would come through. No, 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 no don't promise me something that's not going to come through. Man, said, no, no, no. Would you just put your trust and your confidence in the word that God's delivering to you this morning? My final thought this morning is this. Would you don't allow the fear of disappointment to stop you from receiving the future blessings that God has for you. So don't allow your fear of disappointment of what's taken place in your past stop you from receiving God's blessings and God's promises into your future. And she's at this place of saying, no, 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 God, no, 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 don't even say that. Because I have believed year after year after year after year after year after year and God said, hey, don't allow your fear of disappointment in the past to stop you from grabbing a hold of my promises for you right now. And step out of that place of fear of disappointment. And yes, there's some things that just need to die in our lives. Yeah. But there's some things in our lives that have prematurely died that God wants to breathe life upon again. And it finishes with, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. I, I am so grateful that God's ways, they are higher than our ways. I am so grateful today that God's thoughts, they are higher than our thoughts. And no matter where you are situated, you have a God who is mindful of your situation. And I love that about Him. Is that truly God has been good to us.